everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cap Podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Mace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And, well, that was one of the ugliest games I've ever seen. There's no better way to put it. It was one of the most frustrating victories one could ask for. Yeah, I, if if you ever want a perfect example of the games that I call rock fights, yeah. This and Iowa, Illinois are the perfect example of what I call rock fights. It's just two people bashing each other over the head with rocks and yet somehow still like bashing their hands occasionally. Very little productive is happening, but there are certainly things that are happening. So very true. But that's that's just how Farmageddon goes sometimes for for the unfamiliar K-State won 10 to 9, which looks like your college baseball score. But Iowa State doesn't have baseball, so it tells you it's football. So <laughs> I like we said, the game was gross and we'll get more into it in the general takeaways. But a win's a win and great teams find a way to win the ugly ones, especially the ugly ones on the road. Yeah, I, I, I just wish it wasn't ugly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely wish this game was a little easier on the eyes, uh, a little less stressful. Probably took another year off my life. I'm used to it at this point, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, a win is a win. Um, and I mean, I think Iowa State's kind of really proven themselves as having the best defense in the Big 12. Um, they've done a phenomenal job this year in limiting opponents. Baylor's the only team that really had any offensive success against them. And that wasn't even yardage wise. They were just they just took advantage of the few opportunities they had mm-hmm. like KU's had a very explosive offense all year and Iowa State completely nullified that offense I mean Jalen Daniels was under 100 total yards in that game I think or was very close to being under it and we know that Jalen Daniels has been very dangerous this year so K-State yeah they only get 10 points but they still have an explosive offense performance we'll get more into that later but uh, it was a, a great performance by the Iowa State defense but not quite enough yeah but with this victory, K-State moves to number 17 in the country going into their bye week. But now let's go into the general takeaways. And the, the first thing that's of note is that there were so many times that we just could not get out of our own way. Like that, This is a game that if we would have lost, it, and I know this is going to sound very diminutive, but I don't have to worry about like last year, a bunch of Iowa state fans listening to this episode to gloat. <laughs> we don't have to worry about this year. So if we would have lost this game, it, it's because we would have lost, not because Iowa state would have won. And there are multiple times that I went to kites with uh, the shaken Blake boys, shout out uh, Blake and John are excellent to watch the game with, but I, there were several times in the game that the entire bar went from one collective expletive to complete silence for like 10 minutes at a time. <laughs> Except for the the group of very inebriated women next to us. They were the they they really kept the spirit going. <laughs> every every group needs that. Um I can tell you it was just me and my girlfriend watching it. And we had a very similar experience to that, honestly, where we would get really excited for a bit and then nothing would happen for like 10 minutes. At least like frustration would set in for 10 minutes. Um, 
there were definitely a lot of times we couldn't get out of our own way. There were a lot of things to like, honestly, like subtly about how the offense played uh, specifically. And I think how he schemed um, a lot of people are upset. I feel like with Colin Klein after this game, I am not one of those people. I think he actually called a pretty good game. Uh, execution was just the uh, the biggest issue, I'd say. And then also Iowa State's defense just being good uh, is another thing, which again, like I don't want to step on the toes of things we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, there there were multiple times where we definitely could have done more with the opportunities that we had. The missed field goal, uh, the, the event, fumble, the yeah, the incident, the incident uh, as we will call it, you know, the incident that occurred. Um, at one point, uh, a lot of things uh, that were frustrating about this game. Uh, but that's just kind of how football goes. You know, Iowa State, they had their own frustrations, like the big drop at the end of the game. Like, that's just, like, to me, I see it as a trade off. You know, they have that just inexplicably not go their way. Same thing for us, really. So they had their best player lose them the game. And that is one of the most Iowa State things that could have possibly happened. I would expect nothing less from Iowa State in a big game uh, than to have uh, someone they thought they could rely on just completely mess it up. Yeah, like someone who is fighting for you know probably the second best receiver in the conference because I, I really think that there's there's a fight between Marvin Mims and Xavier Hutchinson. I really think both are NFL guys. I'd probably give Marvin Mims the edge. Uh, Quentin Johnson is just different. And I'm every single week, like he, I think it's every single week that has gone by Quentin Johnson has just slowly becomes like, all right, well, yeah, no, you're not covering that guy. That sucks. <laughs> That's going to be a nightmare to figure out. Luckily we get two weeks. Yeah, luckily we get two weeks and we also have a corner that is as tall as him. So yeah, Julius is the, I'm not even going to say best. I'm going to say the only matchup for Quentin Johnston at this level of football. So mm-hmm. uh, we were lucky there. Um, assuming that we apply it well and Julius plays a good game, we're a ways out from that. We'll have to study some film too, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, there, there were just times, especially on offense, we just, we just weren't getting out of our own way. And there were times in the game, especially in the first quarter, and this was probably the most frustrating thing for me. There were times that Hunter Deckers, now granted, he never looked good. Do not misunderstand me. But I think Hunter Deckers is probably the worst quarterback in the Big 12. I don't think I'm going to get much pushback on that. Mostly because, again, Iowa State fans are not listening to this episode. <laughs> but, he's <laughs> God. Um, I, I, the amount of competency that he showed, I... It's strange, especially because I really thought that this would be a game that granted we held Hunter Deckers under 200 yards. This isn't a general, this isn't like a full game notes, more first quarter thing. So we made an adjustment. Hunter Deckers didn't play an awful game, but he didn't play a good one by any means at all. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. But do you, do you agree with that? It was just more of a first quarter thing. And then he turned into Hunter Deckers of old. I definitely agree with that. Um, first quarter Iowa State offense versus rest of the game Iowa State offense is completely different uh, the defense just like I think probably a lot of what happens in the first quarter there is Iowa State had a game script and uh, they attacked the defense in the way that they wanted to 
Um, Josh Hayes kind of saved us a few times in that first quarter. He came out that first quarter with eight tackles, I believe. Yeah. Uh, which was absolutely ludicrous. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Iowa State offense definitely much more successful in that first quarter. It felt like at least um, than the rest of the game. Uh, but yeah, Hunter Decker still finishes under 200 passing yards on 38 attempts, uh, under under 60 percent completion percentage. Uh, had at least one pass that probably should have been intercepted. Uh, I'm thinking of the Austin Moore deflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, if our safety is in just slightly better position, then that's probably a pick uh, off the deflection. Uh, but yeah, he he did have one big run uh, where he got like 24 yards. Other than that, he didn't really do anything in the ground game either. Mm-hmm. That That one run very much upset me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. That was such a deflating run. And they didn't do anything with it. So we literally always like every single time I we have mentioned on the show is like, oh, this quarterback doesn't have plus mobility. Every single time we end up giving him like a third and 14 because we're just because the coaching staff agrees and we just break contain and they break free and we don't have a spy on them because we're playing blitz zero. <laughs> Yeah, which is a shame that could have happened to anybody, but it really could have. And it does happen to everybody, uh, unless you're Georgia. But Georgia's defense is cheating, so yeah, that's not a fair comparison. (laughs) Not literally, but basically. (laughs) Uh, The next one is that you kind of touched on it a little bit. Is the offense was more mired in its own execution issues, not necessarily play calling issues. There are a lot of times that on paper, the play calls should have worked. You know, Keenan Garber probably should win. If you get a one-on-one as a quarterback, like you get pure one-on-one coverage and it's the alert route, which most of the time is a go, you are taught to throw the alert. If Keenan Garber fights through contact a little bit better, I'm not even saying if he gets a little bit more separation, but if he's able to kind of work through the defenders at worst, it's a PI ball for k-state like that that's frustrating on the rollout pass the sprint out pass we probably should have blocked will mcdonald that that's that that's probably something we should have done i think that's a great offensive strategy is to block the great pass rusher but uh we failed to do that twice so yeah and a lot of those come down to not necessarily them being schematically bad play calls it's more execution and also shout out to Adrian Martinez for making the most of two broken plays, you know, one to Philip Brooks and the other being the incident that we will not be talking about until later. <laughs> but yeah. What do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I kind of touched on this earlier. Yeah. Uh, I do think a lot of people are probably displeased with Colin Klein after this. I'm not really. Um, I don't think that this was a bad call by Colin Klein, uh, at least for most of the game. A lot of times we were going with stuff that in any uh, against any other defense in the Big 12, I think works. Um, and a lot of this is not just execution issues on our part, which some of it was. Some of it is just Iowa State having a really great tackling defense. Um, they were making some shoestring tackles that were turning a potential 20 to 30 yard gain into 
a no gain one two yard gain deuce had many lanes that most games against most teams he is hitting the hole and bursting and getting a chunk play um and iowa state was just stopping that from happening with they were pretty much just relying on their last line of defense to make sound tackles and that happened um and then QB power wasn't really working as much as it has been the last few weeks. Even when we had numbers, they were just making great defensive plays uh, to stop it from getting worse. Um, so again, it, I'm not going to get up here and get upset with Colin Klein uh, for ba- calling a play when the numbers are to his favor, because in theory, that's going to work. Um, but I would say just play great defense. And I also liked that we were attacking downfield heavily compared to how we had them the rest of the year. Um, we only completed two of them. One of them was a pass interference. Uh, Keenan Garber was another one. I think that there were a couple others that just weren't converted. Um, but we were going downfield more this game, and we have uh, really the rest of the year. Um, and Adrian Martinez, uh, it's obvious now that he can definitely do it. Um, yeah, there was speculation at times that he could. <laughs> yeah, arm strength was not the issue. We clearly had something schematically that we were trying to exploit, and it worked once, almost worked twice. We'll get into that later. And uh, I, I liked our game plan for the most part, which was uh, attack deep um, and try and get the outside run established, which, again, we've not been able to establish outside run against anybody really this year, it feels like. Uh Yes, anytime we try to run a sweep, it just gets blown up for like a three or four yard loss. Um, but I don't know. The scheme was not the issue. Offensive line, I kind of had a rough day again. This is probably the worst stretch for the offensive line since 2020, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but the only way is up uh, for that unit, I'd say, right now. And they're also they're dealing with a ton of injuries. A lot of guys are banged up, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. Um, but yeah, execution, definitely a problem. Definitely not upset with Klein. And that's not us being like homers for Klein. We have definitely gone after Colin Klein at, uh, at times mm-hmm. in this season. Uh, this was a good call, or this was a good game uh, for Colin Klein. I'd say just the execution just was not there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Despite all of the offensive issues we had, we it seems like a common reprieve every single week. Yeah, our defense is they're so good. They're and as they're good in a way that that really can only be explained through superlatives. So as much as, you know, Connor and I would really love to explain like, oh, here is schematically why this play calling works. Here is why Joe Klanderman called this play call. And here's why he called it. Here's why that is a smart play call. Here is why Drake Cheatham played this particular type of coverage and why he was in this position and why it was the perfect position. Yeah, we could do that. But that'd just be wasting everyone's time because it almost doesn't matter. Because just about every single time the defense plays, other than you know once or two, like one or two times a game, they have the right answer, and they get the answers when they need them most in clutch situations. So 
yeah, we could spend 80 years talking about this defense schematically, but what's the point when we could just say it's excellent. It's awesome. It's great. Amazing defense. It's probably the best. It's the best that I've seen from K-State in my time as a K-State fan. And it's probably one of the best defenses I've seen from a team I support in college. I grew up an MU fan. Leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, do you do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, uh, the defense really, really, really stepped up when we needed them, which was pretty much the entire game. Um, down the stretch, especially when they retired, uh, we'd had several players injured. Felix was playing through pain. Khalid Duke had been out the entire game, so Desmond Purnell uh, was playing for him. Um, guys retired. Like guys are playing through injury and they still were stepping up and making big plays, creating pressure, making big run stops. Uh, um, and it was really excellent to watch. The defense had a phenomenal performance uh, post first quarter. And even then in the first quarter, they weren't awful. They only gave up three points. So uh, they, they did a great job uh, down the stretch, um, especially considering uh, some of the field position that they had to deal with. I mean, there are multiple Iowa State drives that started um, almost at midfield, uh, if not better, that K-State was able to hold um, and prevent from uh, turning into touchdowns or most of the time even field goals. So uh, it was really, really, really impressive uh, to watch the defense um, be able to step up time after time after time and make those stops and prevent Iowa State from really getting the ball rolling um, pretty much at any point in the second half. Uh, it, it was very impressive. Uh, only 78 rushing yards on the day for Iowa State. Uh, Drell Brock kind of playing through injury. Deion Silas, though, uh, he was healthy. He only had seven carries, which is kind of strange. Um, and then Deckers uh, had the two sacks and the one run. Uh, really, the only player that gashed the defense at all was Xavier Hutchinson, who had 100 yards receiving on eight catches, but he had his own issues. So great, great all-around performance by the defense. Uh, some great individual performances as well. Uh, a few that we can highlight later. But yeah, yeah. A, a lot to love about how this defense is playing right now. Yep. Now let's move into the stats portion of the day. And again, because we are top tier professionals, Connor, do you want offensive or defensive stats? Um, I'm trying to remember what I did last time. Uh, you did uh, defense last time. I'll do offense this time. Cool. Okay. Um, offensively, um, K-State, as we all know, did not have a phenomenal day uh, whatsoever. Um, some context will be applied to that, though. Um, some perspective. Um, in game day grades, though, I have some some numbers that Ace will hate just because they're numbers, not because they're bad. But yeah, I hate numbers. Um, so passing, we actually have two guys here. Um, Adrian Martinez goes twelve of nineteen, which is the same uh, completion log that he had uh, against Texas Tech, but he went for significantly more yards with two hundred forty six, which is the best passing performance he's had all year. Uh, at a touchdown on a long eighty one yard pass, he was sacked three times as well. Uh, and then today he also had um, his best yards per attempt by far on the year, uh, almost 13 yards per attempt, uh, which was better than his previous best of 6.9 against OU. 
Uh, then Malik Knowles had uh, one for one for 11 yards on a pass that was caught by Adrian Martinez. Uh, all right, I guess. <laughs> okay, but why? <laughs> I think that's a fair reaction. Like we did it and it worked. And I don't know. It, it, it's just very unusual for K State to pull a uh, trick play out. Like we haven't seen many since the the infamous Colin Klein behind the back pass to Chris Harper. <laughs> I would laugh very hard if he tried to do that again sometime. But like call it. I think that'd be really funny. So you should consider that. But um, yeah, that's it for passing. Getting to rushing, Adrian Martinez leads here as well. Nineteen carries for seventy seven yards, a long of nineteen, uh, averaging four point one yards per carry. No touchdowns on the ground. So kind of coming back to earth there. DJ Giddens, actually the second leading rusher, eight rushing attempts for 32 yards, did not ever lose yards, averaged four yards per attempt, uh, and had a phenomenal final drive uh, where he ran really well, um, where on that last drive, he had uh, 16 of his 32 yards in the entire game. Um, and really, and, and he sealed the game on that second and two. Um, then after that, Deuce Vaughn, uh, not a great day for him. Uh, 10 rushes per 23 yards, uh, averaging 2.3 per attempt. Uh, definitely his worst game of the year. Um, granted, he was injured and we hardly saw him uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, hopefully not too serious. Doesn't really sound like it's too serious because um, he was walking around and came back into the game at least briefly. Um, but yeah, Deuce definitely could have had more than that 23. Uh, a lot of times was just one ankle tackle away from breaking off a big gain, mm-hmm. but just still, he didn't put together a very good game statistically, especially by his standards, uh, by anybody's standards, really. This isn't a very good game. Um, but moving into receiving, Philip Brooks had four receptions for 119 yards and a touchdown, of course, the 81 yards score. Um, he, for I think almost a full quarter, uh, was the only, uh, case a player to register a catch i think he was actually yes um where he had he was responsible for all of adrian's um passing yards and he had 100 yards after the first quarter ends up with 119 uh and the only touchdown of the entire game Blake Knowles has five catches for 108 yards a long of 68 we will be coming back to that 68 yarder uh in game day grades uh the incident uh Duzvon had two catches for 14 yards along eight adrian uh he he certainly had a reception one catch for <laughs> 11 yards it was fine uh he did catch it good, good for him, him. Yep. benson had one catch for five yards on a little uh, i think it was a hook route or maybe like a that's a stick it was a stick route stick same difference yeah you, you elitist <laughs> <laughs> yes me elitist <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Keenan Garber and Cade Warner, they were both targeted uh, once, I believe, and neither came away with a reception. Uh, so that does it for the offensive stats, unless you want to include like field goals, which Chris Tennant went one for two, missed from 33, made from 30, uh, and he made an extra point. Yeah. Solid. Wish, yeah. He, wish he would have made both, but oh yeah, well. I'm not going to lie. My stomach kind of sank a little bit after he missed the first one. Yeah, that was rough. I actually thought he made it. On I first too. Place. I thought it went in, but uh, it just barely missed. I think yeah. so, uh, which was a shame. I really thought it went in, and I, I just didn't notice until the uh, officials called it. But it the second close. one was perfect. Yeah, uh, second, second one was, one was right down the middle. Yep. 
Now on defense, going through by most tackles, Josh Hayes was the leading tackler, including eight in the first quarter. He had 11 total, one TFL, one pass breakup. Then the machine, Austin Moore, power, with his powerful first name, had six tackles, one TFL, and two pass breakups. Kobe Savage had five tackles, Sincere Mason, five, Julius Brents, five, Drake Cheatham, four. Des Purnell had himself a pretty good game in relief for Khalid Duke. He had three tackles and two pass break, like two PBUs. Honestly, even if Khalid Duke is healthy, I think Des Purnell has earned himself more playing time just by virtue of this performance. 100% agree. Then TJ Smith had two tackles. Daniel Green had two tackles and a QB hit. Echo, Echo Island had two tackles and what should be credited as a PBU because, you know, he, he's the reason why that slant to Xavier Hutchinson wasn't caught. Or maybe it was like a, just a speed in, but eh, who cares? Felix had two tackles, including one sack. Eli Huggins had two tackles. Shane Porter, Seth Porter, VJ Payne, and Matthew Mashmeyer each had one tackle. Brendan Mott had a sack and a QB hit. Brandon Plattner, Cody Stuffelbean, Nick Allen, and Jalen Pickle all had a tackle. So pretty good day. Obviously, you get the leading tackler of Josh Hayes, but I I keep thinking every single week, okay, Austin Moore is gonna go back to Earth. Like he's gonna he's gonna have just like an all right game. And then he just doesn't. And then he just turns into like the most reliable player on our defense. And it doesn't make sense. I love it, but it doesn't make sense. No, yeah, it definitely does not make any sense at all. But I'm going to allow it to continue happening. Um, He he has been absolutely excellent. He had a great pass breakup uh, in the latter half of the game. I don't remember exactly when it probably it could have been intercepted if our safety was in a slightly different spot, but. I'm not going to get upset about it. It's just I wish it would have happened. No, the, um, okay. Yeah. I, here, I, I, I'm sorry. I have to gush about this play because that there's this is one of those times where it's going to be a brain scrunkly for me about how this how this was played. So, if I'm remembering the play correctly, which I hope I am, because otherwise this is going to be an insane ramble that doesn't make any sense for anyone that has all 22. <clears throat> hint hint but basically what iowa state was doing was they were running a flood concept to that side where the entire play design is based off of that out route getting open against the particular look that k-state was running which to my best knowledge was either quarters or cover three which is why drake cheatham was playing as far back as he was on this play at least i believe it was drake cheatham so the reason why Drake Cheatham wasn't in position for that interception was because he was cleared out by a go ball because that's how the play design was. That play design is specifically made for that out route to be open. Austin Moore had no reason to be there. He just was like, there is nothing in the scheme or that coverage call that says Austin Moore is going to be that, (laughs) that zone defender. And yet, lo and behold, because he is Austin Moore and he's like five steps, your next line will be. (laughs) (laughs) He's just chilling out there and comes up with the pass deflection. 
the, he he had no he, reason to even be close to make that play. No, I mean, he didn't. And it was just an unbelievably athletic play by Austin Moore. Absolutely. Yeah, so thank you for indulging my brain scrunkly. <laughs> you are welcome. It was very valuable. <laughs> but now we can go into game day grades where we go look at every single position group, including the coordinators, giving them a grade from F to A+. A plus meaning they nearly single-handedly won us the game, and F meaning they near single-handedly lost us the game. So let's start with the quarterbacks, and we'll flip it up this week. You can go first after I announce the position. So Very what well. did you give the quarterbacks? I gave Adrian Martinez an A- minus for this game. I really liked what Adrian was doing for most of this game. And I also am curving a little bit here for Adrian, given um, the quality of defense that he was facing. Um, I was not as kind to the rest of the offense, um, but I feel like Adrian had a really great game in his own right. Uh, And then I do also want to provide perspective on uh, his performance. Um, Adrian had 246 passing yards, which was a season best uh, for him, but that's not the perspective uh, that I want to provide specifically. The one I want to provide specifically is that that's actually a season worst for Iowa State uh, defensively to give up. Um, I don't remember exactly who was next closest. I think it was Baylor. I think because it was Blake Shapin uh, with 238. Um, But Adrian Martinez comes out. Uh, and has a great, great day. Um, and then Al also, um, on that note, uh, K-State rushing-wise, which is more of a, a running back thing, but Adrian led in rushing, so I'm going to include it here. Uh, he had 77 yards. Team had 131 yards. That was also a season worst for Iowa State's defense. So did the offense perform great? No, they did not. But this was the best any offense did against Iowa State's defense all season long. Um, and that's through six weeks. So we're starting to really see what that team is and it's a defensive juggernaut. And so I am not going to, when I give not as great grades for the rest of the offense, it is not because I think that they would necessarily be this bad against anybody else. Um, there were frustrations and at the end of the day, if they don't execute, they don't execute. But I do want to just consider how good the Iowa State defense is because I don't think K-State fans are fully aware of that because I was not. I knew they were good. I did not realize that they were this good statistically. Um, so I just want to provide that perspective. Um, Adrian gets an A- minus because I liked that he was being aggressive downfield even if there was some frustration uh, with um, the receivers getting open, which Sometimes they were open to their credit, but not always. Uh, he did solid running the ball. Um, some of the calls I thought were good with him running the ball, even if they didn't work. Um, but all around Adrian Martinez, I thought a good game. So A minus for me. Yeah, I ended up giving him an A. And, you know, the same criticism that I applied to him last week still applies to where he's still not throwing with the greatest degree of anticipation. But then again, against this defense, he has an excuse. Because against almost every other defense, you can't anticipate and expect someone to be open. Uh Uh-uh, can't do that against this one. That's how they burn you. 
they that Austin Moore play that I just gushed about, that's Iowa State's defense. They put players where they shouldn't be to make plays to trick you. You can't throw with anticipation against this team because they will kill you. <laughs> but I ended up giving him an A and not an A plus because, you know, again, deep ball was working really, really well. The only complaint that I have is not his pocket mobility because that was awesome. But there are a couple of times that I felt like he was getting too lateral when he was running as in he wanted to run more side to side as opposed to just like going straight through. And part of that is probably because he, he was admittedly taking a little bit of a beating back there. And he probably thought that he could get more yards if he ran laterally. You know, sometimes you have to lose great ground to gain ground. But those are such minor complaints. I ended up just giving him an A, and it was pretty much the closest that he could have gotten to an A plus without actually getting one. Yep. Um, so now we can move on to running backs. Uh, I agonized. I won't say agonized, but that's a strong word. <laughs> I, I thought about this hard. Uh, but because again, I was considering the opponent, but I'm sadly giving a C plus to this group. I'm disappointed to do it. Um, TJ Giddens did perform well uh, in the little that we saw of him, uh, at least on the last drive specifically. Um, Deuce didn't have the greatest day. He did have a few runs where he nearly broke it, and it was sometimes tackles that I think he might have been able to break against most other opponents. But he just wasn't quite able to. Is it unfortunate? Yes, but they didn't perform to the expectation that we need uh, from them. Deuce did a do he did do a little damage in the receiving game. He had one nice catch on the sideline and had another reception. He gets 14 yards there, so th- there's that at least. But definitely need to see more from the running game. Uh, if this was any other opponent, they probably do worse than a C plus, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because I expect a lot more from this group. Um, but C plus uh, for just the quality of defense that you're seeing. Yeah. I originally was teasing giving them like a C or a C plus, but I actually, what changed my mind was actually that final drive by DJ Giddens. And I know you look at it as like, oh, he got 32 yards on the game. How does that bump them up any? I ended up giving them a B, not only because I think they did exactly what they could with what they were given, because I love Deuce. Deuce is not Deion Sanders, not Deion Sanders, Barry Sanders. I always get those two confused, which, you know, knowing their personalities, they'd probably smack me once each. But (laughs) (laughs) and just for confusing the two. But they did exactly what they could with what they were given. You know, Deuce, what he was a, an ankle tackle, a shoestring tackle away from breaking a few runs, but he played everything about as well as he could have. There was no, there was no time that I was looking at as like, oh, damn, you should have like hit that hole. There was no times that DJ Giddens was playing where I was like, oh, well, he missed a hole here. DJ Giddens actually impressed me. Every time I see DJ Giddens, I'm thinking like, okay, I know we have Deuce Vaughn on the team. But it doesn't mean that Deuce can't go to the sideline to get a little drink of water every once in a while, especially if we're going to be running with power. Because DJ Kins runs mad. (laughs) He runs angry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I ended up giving the running backs a B just because they did 
pretty much all that they could with what they were given. Yeah. I gave the wide receivers. Um, well, first I want to explain because this was probably the most difficult grade to give out in a while. And we all know why. So first off, Philip Brooks, solid game, great game. Four catches 119 yards. That's a lot of his damage early. He has a long touchdown that proved to be the difference. Uh, he was really good. Um, and then Malik Knowles, five catches, 108 yards, and the crucial, crucial, crucial fumble. Um, that nearly broke me as a fan. I that I can't recall. I, I sat here before the episode trying to think of the last time I was that upset with a K-State player in a single game. And I cannot think of it for the life of me. The last time I was that annoyed and frustrated and upset with a K state player in a game, given the pressure of the situation, uh, how close the game was and just the sheer horrible nature of the mistake. Uh, Cause it's, it's a lazy mistake. It's a, to be fair, great effort play by Iowa State's defense there. I think it was uh, um, Anthony Anderson that uh, Anthony Johnson that made the uh, uh, the play. Um, but that's laziness on Malik's part. Finish the run, and even you know even if he recovers it in the end zone, I'm not as upset as I am. But I was so upset <laughs> after this happened. It was one of the most frustrating things I've ever seen live in a K State game from a single play. Um, if he t- if he gets one more yard and makes it into the end zone, Malik can fill in a vacuum those two alone. If, if Malik just makes it the one extra yard, then th- that that's an A game for those two combined. They make an A plus, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that, they actually probably would for basically being the, the difference. But then you have to take everything else into account. Uh, the first thing is, is if your name was not Philip Brooks or Malik Knowles, you did not register a statistic in this game. Cade Warner and Keenan Garber were targeted, did not make receptions. RJ Garcia saw the, saw the field, but did not get targeted. Uh, so that takes, in my book, two-thirds of a letter grade away from the A. That's a B plus. Malik's single instance with that issue, the incident, the fumble, <laughs> that takes away a full letter grade from the receivers. I give him a C plus, and honestly, that might be generous. After how upset I am with Malik, but I didn't want to ruin Philip Brooks's good night. And also, to be fair to Malik, outside of that terrible, terrible play, he honestly had a pretty solid game. He had some nice catches on the sideline and did some things well and made some nice effort plays. He clearly was trying to clear his good name after the uh, the he unfortunate incident. Um, so I give them a C plus. Part of it is Malik fighting back and trying to. <laughs> to um, clear the bounty off his head and uh, then Philip having a really nice day. Uh, but this is one of the strangest grades I've had to give out, I feel like, because I just don't know what grade they truly deserve for this game because everything was just so wildly different uh, from player to player. It would be more fair to go through and give Philip like an A plus, Malik an A, then include the fumble and give him like an F. And then give everybody else an F for doing nothing. <laughs> like, like at least statistically, there were some solid run blocking here and there, but uh, receiving wise, they didn't do a whole lot. 
C plus at the end of the day. That's a that's a lot of words to basically say they came out to about average. <laughs> so you can you can say well you have whatever you want now, but <laughs> just pure laziness on Malik's part. I I'm going to avoid going on this rant because we'd be here a while. But yeah, we we kind of had the rant yesterday when we were talking about the game through Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. I so I'll start with the good. I, I full disclosure, I ended up giving them a C. We'll start with the good. This is the first time that K State has had a hundred yard receiver since Southern Illinois last year, which is such a long time and it's such a good milestone. And I'm not sure how long it's been since we've had two 100 yard receivers. So I saw somebody online say, well, so obviously it's true. Um, that <laughs> the last time it happened was 2017 against Central Arkansas which I'm going to check the stats now. That would have been Byron Pringle and Isaiah Harris, who each had three catches for about 120 yards. Nice. So, you know, that that's good. Um, everyone else on the team may as well have not existed. <laughs> yep. Um, and the incident, honestly... I would have been perfectly fine had the incident not occurred. The receivers would have gotten an A minus for me, even if it was just Malik and Malik and Philip Brooks. That what the incident had the potential to single-handedly murder that game. And I'm not talking in the sense of, oh, we needed that touchdown, because that's obvious. I more meant in the how demoralizing <laughs> does that have to be for an offense for a quarterback? I you do everything right, and then just it fades away into nothing for no good reason. That really did have the potential. If Iowa State had the offensive capability of, I don't know, milk toast, it would have probably turned the game on its head for us. Luckily for us, Iowa State is about as offensive as a as a you know a Sesame Street episode. So it it worked out. But good lord. <laughs> I just gave them a C and the only time that I can think of that I've been as upset with an individual player, I'd have to go to the NFL and D Ford lining up offsides in the AFC championship game. That's a deep cut, man. <laughs> like, I, I, that's the only time. And I'm not sure it, like it's equal. <laughs> yeah. Next up is tight ends, fullbacks. Yeah. Tight ends, fullbacks. Um, this was a difficult grade in the opposite sense in which they really didn't register many statistics at all uh, as an entire group. Benson had one catch. Uh, and other than that, that was, that was it. Um, if you want to get into blocking, Benson didn't, did a at least not noticeably bad job. Sammy Wheeler did miss a few blocks. Uh, and that was pretty frustrating. PFF gave him the worst offensive grade uh, of the day. And then Will Swanson, uh, he had a crucial fault start penalty. Uh was actually uh, the only offensive penalty uh, in the game. Uh, 
and that really hurt. So I gave them a C and honestly it could have been worse, but they just didn't really have much of a factor. Uh, Christian Moore allegedly played a snap. I do not remember it. I don't remember it. <laughs> it might have been the kneel down. That's actually probably it. That that's probably it. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I I ended up giving them a D plus just because even though Ben Sinnott wasn't noticeably bad, he wasn't good. Sammy Wheeler was noticeably bad. Yeah. I and their poor, like relatively poor blocking performance mixed with only five yards of offensive production in a game that probably should have, well, I'm not going to say that, that had the potential to be a Ben Sinnott revenge game in a sense, because he's from Iowa. And I think that's probably what the, the unsportsmanlike was about on him after the extra, not the extra point, the field goal. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, you're lying to yourself if you don't think this game meant a little extra to Ben Sinnott. But I ended up giving them a D plus because they didn't add anything, really. Because that Ben Sinnott catch, just about anyone on the roster could have made that receiver running back. I don't know, maybe Will even made a, could have made that catch. <laughs> But, oh, no, I just opened the door to the Will Howard tight end conversation. <laughs> anyway. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't either. Let's talk about the offensive line instead. Yeah. Offensive line, I feel like, uh, did not have a great day. Um, this was one of their worst games of the year, um, in my opinion. Uh Pass blocking was pretty rough, especially on the interior. KT Levison got beat pretty bad to the outside on one of the sacks. I mean, he just got absolutely eviscerated. Cooper BB was good uh, in this game. Uh, Christian Duffy was good for the most part. Um, a lot of the struggles were on the um, interior. I gave him a D plus in this game because the run game was just absolutely swallowed up completely. They really couldn't do much. Passing-wise, Adrian was under... It felt like a lot of fire uh, in this game. Uh, the A rough performance granted a tough, tall task for the offensive line. Uh, they brought a lot of pressure uh, in this game, and there were a few times that they let it get home more than you'd like to see. Um, and they were able to at least get a little bit going late, um, but... And they were able to really push the piles a little bit more late whenever they the defense was kind of worn down for Iowa State. But it was a a uh, rough um, way to get there for the offensive line. So D plus. Yeah, I ended up giving them the exact same grade because to me the the lone bright spot was Cooper Beebe, which granted that he's Cooper Beebe, of course he is, but. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm gonna take this away from the takeaway segment. The interior is getting is getting to be a problem. There, it, it's gone to the point of showing cracks and chinks in the armor. To okay, this is bad. Like Gilly, there there's only the the number one thing a quarterback hates is pressure from the center. And you think to yourself like, oh well, that doesn't 
that doesn't make much sense. Like you'd think it would be pressure from the edges because the edge players get most of the snap. You would be incorrect because there's most quarterbacks know that if there's pressure coming off the edge, the tackle will just kind of toss them backwards a little bit and they can step up. And that inevitably creates holes on the outside edges of the offensive line. So in a sense, your tackles should still be your best offensive players and your most you know, athletic offensive lineman, I should say. But if your interior is getting pushed back into the quarterback's lap every time, where does the quarterback go? They can't go anywhere. And unfortunately, Gilly is getting, Gilly and Panzer both. Panzer had his worst game of the year, in my opinion. Panzer was not good. And, you know, I, I, I expect better from them because I've seen better from them. And just the way the interior played outside of Cooper BB was, it was not, it was bad. The tackles played fine. Cooper BB played great as he always does. It averages out to a D plus because we were kind of getting, kind of getting worked in the running game. And it's not just by virtue of them being a disciplined defense. There were a few times that we, the offensive line was getting pushed into the lane and you can't have that happen. I ended up giving them a D plus and there's a lot of room for growth. And for the sake of my sanity, I'm, I'm attributing it to the offensive line being dinged up because every single week, except for one, which was sort of the reset game against Tulane, the offensive line grades have gotten worse every single week. And I'm hoping that's attributed to injury and lack of depth because of the injury. Yeah. And that is something that does need to be mentioned is that the depth there is not great right now. And that we would probably be talking about the offensive line completely differently. Taylor Pontier had never gotten injured. Yeah. Um, because he was probably the second best lineman on this team that other than Cooper PB. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely rough. I don't like giving those bad grades, but got to be honest. Uh, so, but we can move on to defensive line, and this will be happier stuff because uh, we we did kind of talk poorly about a lot of the offense. Um, defensive line, I gave them an A. Um, I felt like they did pretty well, uh, especially considering uh, Felix getting injured uh, early ish. And coming back, uh, and then uh, Nate Matlick still playing through injury as well. Uh, though, with that context taken into mind, and then also the defensive line seemingly getting better as the game went, uh, especially in the run defense. Uh, Eli Huggins was great in run defense down the stretch. Uh, the defensive line as a whole was really good. Felix was still uh, creating chaos on the edge, even if he only got to the quarterback once. Uh, I, I, I gave them an A, um, they've definitely had better performances, um, but they still were really good. And I, I really liked, uh, uh, what they brought to the table in this game, even though we have seen better from them, uh, they get an A from me. Yeah. I actually ended up changing my grade cause I thought about it a little bit more. I ended up giving them an A minus. And the only reason why it's a minus is because there are a few times that I felt the pressure should have been converted into a sack. 
the number one thing that I'm thinking of is Nate Matlick, and I think he got, what was it, 26, 27 snaps or something like that. There was a time when he deposited the tackle firmly into Hunter Deckers' back, and it kind of like clips him a little bit, but Hunter Deckers moves up and away from it. That probably should have been a sack. Hunter Deckers should have been sacked more than two times this game. And he was pressured enough, but I really wanted to see at least two more sacks from this defensive line against an offensive line that is middling at best. But A- minus for me, but the next two rooms, we I'm not going to get into superlatives yet because it's your you go first. Um, I'm going to give I went back and forth between an A and an A plus for the linebackers, but I'm just going to go ahead and give them an A plus because I thought that they were outstanding. Uh, there, I mean, Austin Moore continues his reign of terror. Um, as apparently the best defender on the team uh, out of absolutely nowhere. And Daniel Green was quite good as well. Had a Q- QB hit. Uh, we brought him on a lot of interior rush, um, and I thought that he was good. But Austin Moore is really the highlight here. This is six tackles, a tackle for loss, and two uh, pass breakups, including this incredible pass breakup that Ace got into further detail about earlier. I mean, and then Desmond Purnell comes in for the injured Khalid Duke and has a really great game uh, that you can't really complain about. Um, beyond that, uh, I don't have a ton to say just because they were so overwhelmingly positive. I felt like, uh, the middle of the field didn't really get too leaky at any point in the game. Uh, they, it was just really good scheming on the outside by Iowa state to get guys open. And most of that was the first quarter. So I'm not really worried about that at all. Um, but yeah, the linebackers were excellent. Uh, this game, I gave them an A plus. I gave them the exact same grade. I, I Austin Moore is so ridiculously good. Desmond Purnell is such a pleasant surprise in what I thought was, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought Des Purnell was going to get exposed. I, <laughs> I thought that he was going to get exposed, especially against an offense that sing, that really likes taking advantage on that particular part of the field where he played. And then he just gets, you know, casually to PBUs and he's constantly in the passing lanes and even like, was playing good run support. Like, I honestly think you could make an argument that Daniel Green was probably the weakest of the linebackers. And it wasn't because he was bad. It's because the other two were so good around him. Like that is to me, that is the textbook definition for a linebacker A plus performance. Less than 80 yards rushing holding Hunter Deckers to less than 200 yards when their scheme is pretty much explicitly designed to attack the Sam linebacker position. Uh, What do you, there's nothing more to say. It's an A plus performance. Yeah, they were absolutely outstanding uh, in this game. Uh, Really, really great stuff from them. Defensive backs. I toyed with the idea of giving them an A plus, but I will give them an A only reason that I do that is because they were kind of leaky in the first quarter, but they did really settle down after that. So I can't quite give them an A plus. They probably they definitely get an A plus in the uh uh second half, no doubt. Uh, but I give them an A for the rest of the game. Uh as I recall, they didn't really have a uh 
like a big play in the second half that I was really concerned about in the passing game. Uh, but I feel like the defensive backs were really good. Um, they did get a little lucky with Xavier Hutchinson dropping that big fourth down conversion, but I think that's just karma for the Malik Knowles fumble, uh, where that was just really bad luck for us. So I'm not going to really pin that against them. That's just kind of how football goes sometimes. Yeah. I gave them an A plus because I, one of the big questions was how are we going to handle the RPO style offense? And yes, Xavier Hutchinson ended up finishing with a hundred yards receiving. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. If he's only getting a hundred and he's like the only cog of their offense, it works fine. And I'll no touchdowns it. and no touchdowns. Echo is regaining the name Echo Island. So he's honestly going to play himself into getting drafted and not record like a single interception in his college career. He's going to play himself into getting drafted, not in his career, in the season. He's going to play himself into getting drafted based off of that. Julius Brent's had himself a good day. I think the outside corners had excellent days in it. In an offense that is meant to, okay, you're playing off garbage, fine. Take a speed in, take a slant. And then they just said, fine, you can have that. We're just going to tackle you, and you're going to get, like, a yard. And a big part of that was Josh Hayes. And Josh Hayes coming down and making sure that, okay, you catch the ball, you're going to pay for it. You're not going to go anywhere afterwards. (laughs) But I ended up giving them an A+. And now we can talk about... Colin Klein, which this may be the most controversial segment of the day. You can go first, as always. I didn't really have issues with Colin Klein as a play caller. Yeah, I think he could have been better because I think you can always be better as a play caller because, I mean, if you're perfect as a play caller, you're getting a touchdown every single play, assuming perfect execution. But uh, Colin Klein, I felt like called a good game. I think we had a good scheme going in, which was attack deep. Uh, and try and open up run lanes. Offensive line just was not really performing super well. Um, and we tried to adjust and just wasn't a lot working there. Um, but we did enough offensively and I felt like he was calling decent plays, uh, situationally. Um, so I gave him a B plus, uh, for that. I can't give him higher, but I can't really justify going much lower either because I think that he really did call a solid game. And the offense just, they just met a really, really difficult defense to deal with. And, you know, you're not going to have a phenomenal game every single time. We didn't really, we only had the one real explosive play, well, t- two technically, I guess. But um, <laughs> I, I would like to see more sustained drives uh, than that going forward. But I would say it's probably not the best team to test that against. Uh, so B plus for me. I ended up giving him a C plus. And the main reason why it's so low is okay. It's not just because we had like a third and inches and he lined up in shotgun. That did make me angry. That <laughs> that made me irrationally angry. And it will do it. It doesn't matter if I hate the team that's doing it. That will make me irrationally angry every single time it happens. So He's not getting docked for that. Yes, he is, but he's not. it's not like a significant letter grade thing. 
The thing is with me is that with Colin Klein, as it stands right now, a lot of his plays seem to be setting up something without having the counterpunch for it. And this is something that I've quietly been noticing, but it seemed really bad today. Because whenever something gets figured out and they're playing it properly, that's when you implement the counterpunch to keep them honest. And the number one thing that I'm noticing with it is that whenever we're running QB power, yeah, we got 98, 98. Adrian had 98 yards on the ground. 77. 77. Where did I get 98? It (laughs) might have been, I think he had uh, about that number. He had 97 before losses. Oh, okay. So yeah, he... He ends up with, you know, pretty good numbers off of his running ability. But once they started figuring out QB power, I'm like, okay, they're selling out to get QB power. Here's where you set up, you know, like like a pop pass, for example, or you set up a like a just a little swing screen to the opposite side of the action that you're running to, or even to the same side of the action. So that way you can spread out the defense laterally. And he's he's just not setting up like he's not using the counter punch. He has it set up, and this is a game that if we had the counter punches with the QB powers, or you know, we use a little bit more of action off of sweep when they're selling out for the run, we probably get a few more yards. I'm I'm not saying that, oh well, if Colin Klein calls like if he calls the, the counter punches every single time, this is like a 35 to 6 game. Because it's not. I'm not stupid. I know that that's not how it would have worked, but still to me, there were times that I just wanted him to, for not the play call literally, but to have that counter. It's like, okay, you're going to sell it against QB power. Okay. I'll send Ben Sennett up the seam and he'll run for 30 yards. Oh, you're accepting Sennett up the seam. That's fine. I'll run QB power. I I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, It definitely is concerning uh, that there hasn't been the counter punch yet from Klein. I'll chalk it up for now to growing pains, but that should be something that he has figured out by this point. Um, And he seemingly has been getting more consistent uh, as the seasons progressed. um, I would say Uh, it seems like we're kind of adding as we go right now and he's kind of getting I think more confident in his play calling like this week we saw more deep shots in this game and we've basically seen the entire season combined so uh, I was happy about that Um, but yeah it's definitely going to be concerning going forward if like you said we don't have the counter punch I will that's actually exactly what I was expecting the example you use the QB power seam ball I've thought of that and I've also seen other people uh, bring that up as well uh, so that's a common thought, I think, is we're setting up QB power. When are we going to deploy the thing to make the defense pay for stacking the box and completely committing to the QB power? Uh, maybe there's a read there and the defense just isn't quite fully committing when we're facing them. Uh, and if they are, then maybe Adrian's just not seeing it and that punch is there. But we'll, we'll, we won't know until we try it. Or unless we go the whole season without doing it, then we'll yeah. know. But, yeah, then, then we'll have a pretty good idea. Yeah, but Colin Klein is definitely aware that that play exists because K-State definitely won a few games off of it um, in the mid-20-teens. 
thinking like 2014 OU. We definitely won that game because of a Glenn Gronkowski, uh, uh, like RPO, like pop pass kind of thing. Um, we've done that more multiple times in the past. So Colin Klein is aware that play exists, assuming his long-term memory is intact. But oh, okay, uh, <laughs> that may be. I tough. have had I have had concussions. I can make that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, gatekeeping CTE jokes from you. <laughs> That's not my place. <laughs> Only I can make CTE jokes on this podcast. <laughs> Until you forget you have to tell them. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, defensive coordinator, Clarendon. I mean, the defense was great. Other than a kind of leaky first quarter, as we keep saying. Uh, but... I mean, we held Iowa State to nine points at home. It was the first time they had lost uh, at home at night in five years, which is kind of like an ESPN statistic, but like, uh, but still, um, I gave them an A. The defense was great. Uh, they limited the things that they were good at, and they prevented them from exploiting things that maybe they traditionally aren't as good at. I mean, we held them to 78 rushing yards, Hunter Deckers. Um even if he's not great, which I don't think he is, he can still get a high volume of yardage. Um, but his completion percentage wasn't phenomenal. Um, didn't have any touchdowns, which is the the big thing there. And a lot of his yards were safety blanket yards to Xavier Hutchinson uh, and Xavier Hutchinson going out and doing Xavier Hutchinson things. Uh, so I really thought the defense was spectacular. And Kleinerman gets a gets an A, I guess an A plus. Uh, for that, I yeah. should give him an A plus for that. But uh, yeah, A plus for me. I gave him an A plus. If I wanted to be like, if I really wanted to be that guy, I'm like, oh, call Blitz zero more because Hunter Deckers sucks. But like, if, if that's the case, no one ever gets an A plus, and people would be struggling to get an A on a consistent basis. If I were going to be that guy, that's not no. They he, they get an A plus, and it's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff from uh, Joe Klanerman. Yep. So next up, we'll quickly answer the pregame questions. Uh, does Iowa State freshman's kicker have a repeat performance at KU? No. No, he did not. He, he was nails. Didn't matter, but he was nails. Actually, yeah. yes, it did matter. But <laughs> 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 no, it mattered a lot. But <laughs> Yeah, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop with him, and it just never did. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe the other shoe that dropped was Matt Campbell getting flamed by his fan base because he blamed the fans uh, for uh, um, allegedly, um, yeah, like being upset with the kicker online. But I, I didn't really see a ton of that. I don't think, especially because he was a freshman, they were take, kind of taking it easy for yeah. Iowa State standards. So, I mean. I don't know. Matt Campbell was being real weird after that game. <laughs> he is, he's always he's a weirdo, but he is a strange guy. Can K State force Deckers to be uncomfortable? Yeah, we did that pretty well. I would agree. Yeah, we we did a solid job with that. Even though we only got two sacks, we were getting uh, at least creating some pressure a lot of the time. Uh, and post first quarter, he didn't look particularly comfortable most of the game. Yeah, he looked like Hunter Deckers for most of the game. Go figure. How does Klein choose to attack what is essentially the same defense K-State runs? Deep. <laughs> Going deep, unfortunately. Well, we should have had two touchdowns out of it. We, we only get one. Probably should have <sighs> had three if 
Cade doesn't get held there because, you know, notorious deep threat Cade Warner. Yeah. I will say I I felt like that was a generous PI call. I thought like I was holding. Uh, but It was probably holding more than PI, but I, I take no, that, those. No, I mean, I take it. Like, I'm not upset about it because it was a penalty either way. I just thought it was going to be holding. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, again, not upset. It really didn't make much of a difference. But uh, yeah, Cade did somehow get open deep. Um, but yeah, uh, he passes. Can Clarenderman find a way to defend deep crossers and drag routes? LMAO, what deep crossers? And then the drag routes, yes. Yeah, the drags did not play as much of a factor in this game as I thought. They, I would say seem to adjust by trying to go intermediate until Austin Moore said no. And they didn't really live over the middle as much as I thought that they would. They really went either screens and like really short stuff or like hitches. It felt like, and then like some uh, like 10 yard outs and 15 yard outs and stuff like that going for the intermediate. But yes, Kalenderman did find a way to defend deep crossers and drags. Can't. Oh, how much pressure does K-State opt to bring on a play-by-play basis? Uh, it varied a lot, but most of the yes. time it was like four or five. Yeah. Which is, I, think I think is ideal. Yeah. I think that's about what we expected uh, as well. Uh, again, like you said, could have lived with a little bit more. Um, but especially because when we brought pressure, Decker's just absolutely lost his mind. Uh, like, like when we brought six, it was... Like you could, you could see him panic from the broadcast. Um, so I, I would have liked to see more, but four to five, just to at least leave a little bit more back defensively, was fine. Um, so not going to like get upset about it or anything. The matchup between Julius Brents and Xavier Hutchinson, who wins more? Here's the funny thing: that was not the exclusive matchup, and honestly, it wasn't the matchup that I saw as much as I thought we would. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there was a concerted effort from Iowa State to get Xavier Hutchinson off of Julius Brents, which I cannot blame them because mm-hmm. Julius Brents was kind of the guy to really match up with Xavier Hutchinson. They put Xavier, especially in the first quarter, on Josh Hayes, but then Josh Hayes decided after a, like the first drive to not allow it anymore. <laughs> and so then they just kind of had to move around Xavier a bit more. Uh, and then Xavier also got in his own way uh, by the end of the game more than anything. Uh, so there's that. Who wins the turnover battle? I was technically saying, Iowa State. It hard because it did of not the matter. incident. Yeah, the incident. It did not matter, but they did win. Honestly, at this point, I may just call the episode "Overcoming the Incident." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up is MVPs. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on offense. It's Adrian. It is Adrian. He was responsible for the one touchdown as well as Philip Brooks taking it to the end zone and Cade Brook, Cade Brook, Cade, Cade Warner, <laughs> Cade Warner, uh, helping to escort him by putting his arms out and not letting people run by him. So shout out Cade. Defensive MVP, I think is interesting because there are three names in particular that I think you could make a pretty convincing argument for Josh Hayes, Austin Moore, and then Eli Huggins, I think you could make. I think he's probably the biggest sleeper of the three. Yeah. I'm going to pick is... Josh Hayes because he was my pregame pick. Uh, there's no other reason for that. I just like, but no, it's because he had the most tackles and he was everywhere on the field at once. 
That is true, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin Moore for the massive pass deflection, having another TFL to not have anywhere near as many tackles as Josh Hayes because uh, Josh Hayes just outpaced everybody in that area. But Austin Moore had a really, really great day. He has yet to have a bad day as a K-State starting linebacker. Uh, so I will assume he will never have a bad day until we see proof otherwise. So yeah. uh, knock on wood for Austin Moore, I guess. But great, great day for Austin. And you can't go wrong with either of those guys at the top. Yep. So now we can start talking about the takeaways. And again, cardiac cats, baby, we will fight through adversity every single week. There are no easy games for K-State. I would rather we just win normally. Yeah, I would rather we win normally, too, but that's not how we roll. Unfortunately not. It's not good for my long-term health. Uh I, I guess I'll just have to deal with it to get the ultimate uh, satisfaction of victory. But I would prefer that we find a way to win in less dramatic fashion. Yeah. Next up, this is we, we've been talking about how, you know, the mob is back, how this defense is really good. I'm going to put a number on it now. This is a top 15 and you can make an argument for a top 10 defense in FBS and definitely top 10 in power five. And I, it's just because what Iowa State has in scheme cohesion and Baylor has in talent, K-State has the Goldilocks of both to where they have good talent and good scheme cohesion. If we had Iowa State scheme cohesion, we may, we may just finish like second in the country in defense the entire year i truly believe that but as of right now this is a probably the second best defense in the conference fighting with it for Moki state but yeah. yeah it's insane this defense yeah this defense is absolutely excellent the only thing on my major wish list is more depth uh at non-defensive back positions because uh, we we are pretty deep at defensive back. I feel like I'd like more linebacker depth. I'd like more defensive end depth. We're actually probably fine at nose tackle, uh, which is weird to say because we were very concerned about that in the offseason. Um, but uh, we're fine there. Uh, but yeah, this defense is great. Uh, they've been great. The only time they really had a rough-ish game was OU, and that was full power OU. Uh, before they were broken, I yeah, guess. Before we broke them. Yeah, and then uh, pre-Dylan Gabriel. Plus nine. How are they minus nine against KU? I do not get it unless Dylan Gabriel's back because I, I think we saw this week that Dylan Gabriel really is the engine that actually makes that offense work because the backups are not there. Granted, when Jackson Arnold gets there, it might be different, yeah. uh, but uh, it was a rough showing from the... Uh, uh backup QB uh Belleville uh or Bevel or whatever it is. Um but yeah great great K State defense. Yeah. Next up we handled the best this is Iowa State's the best defense we're gonna see. And the only thing that will keep us from scoring at least like three scores in my opinion every single game would be ourselves. This is the best defense that we're going to face and we handled it not good. We handled it okay. And that's more encouraging to me 
from a first year coordinator than just about anything else could be. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a phenomenal game, but we did what we needed to do. Uh, in fact, just, just enough. Um, and we could have had more. Um, we left points on the field. We left 10 points on the field at the missed field goal and the fumble. Um, so could have had a bit more production. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely could have done better, but we did not. So I'm not going to harp on it too much, but this is the best defense we'll see. So yeah. all around solid performance. Yep. We already talked about the interior offensive line. And the last one is the bye week has come at a great time because the injuries have piled up and this good Lord, we need this bye week especially going into the absolute assassination that we're about to face of this upcoming yeah. big 12 schedule. This team desperately needed a break um, just to heal up. Um, yeah. Cause they've got at TCU coming up and then they have, uh, Oklahoma State at home, which if K State beats TCU, that might be a top ten matchup. Um, and, and that then might they be have game Texas. day. Like they, that, they might take, that would have a shot. They may take game day away from Happy Valley if Penn State loses and Okie State and K State both end up. Yeah. Like at very least, if we don't get game day, we may get Big Noon, assuming Michigan doesn't take it for like the sixth straight week. Yeah. And honestly, if TCU hadn't just had it, we'd have a shot at it. Um, if like Syracuse were to lose uh, for the TCU game, um, unless they went to like Oklahoma State, Texas, Texas wins again. And I guess Mississippi State's getting up there, but we would at least be in the conversation uh, for game day with TCU. Probably wouldn't get, it, but we'd be in that talk uh, as one of the better ranked matchups that week. Um, but yeah, bye week. Really, really need it. Yeah. So next week is the bye week, as we just said, but then the week after that is TCU, a TCU team that they're dangerous. They woke up feeling a little bit dangerous. Yeah. Quentin Johnston is not a human being, I think. No, he's an alien. We did a pretty solid job against him last year, honestly. Granted, that TCU team did not look like he cared about that game at all. So that's not going to be a fair representation of how it goes this year. Uh, this is, It's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, we don't have, as of recording, a kick time or network. I, I think we'll get that tomorrow, which will be release day, uh, Monday the 10th, because uh, that'll be two weeks out, which is generally when they, re- they release that information. Uh, I would imagine that's going to be a uh, big network. I imagine we're on ESPN, ABC, Fox uh, for that. Because if you go through the week eight uh, big matchups, the ranked matchups right now are UCLA, Oregon, uh, Alabama, Mississippi State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and then Clemson, Syracuse. So... K-State has a very good shot at getting another really good time slot and another good network uh, for that matchup. So we'll we'll know tomorrow. Uh, but the only other Big 12 game competing is Oklahoma State-Texas, which that might be a big noon contender. So uh, yeah, maybe that. And then UCLA-Oregon probably going to be either mid-afternoon or like a late, late night 
uh, twelve like, after dark, half twelve after dark thing. Uh, they'll probably stick it in prime time just because it'll be like five p.m. on the west coast, but we'll see. Yeah. So basically, what I'm hearing is uh, we're gonna, you know, TCU, K State, enjoy eleven a.m. at ESPN Plus. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind uh, an ABC game. I feel like it's a bit ages since we've been on abc we used to be on abc quite a bit like in 2012 when we had that great run uh but we shall see i i just like the aesthetics of abc and the camera quality but yeah but before we wrap up do you have any last notes for what you want to say about the iowa state game uh one of the most frustrating wins of all time but a win is a win yeah we take those absolutely yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I am at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as the staff approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for the, listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>